Welcome to Peace by Believing with John Redmond, Associate Pastor of First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. We all shed tears from time to time, either tears of joy or tears of sadness. Have you ever wondered if our tears have a purpose at all? Well, on today's program, John answers that question in his message, Tears. Open your Bibles today to John chapter 20. This morning we're studying a beautiful story about a lady named Mary, not the mother of Jesus, but Mary Magdalene. And she was a lady who earlier in her life had been demon-possessed. In fact, we read that she had seven demons inside of her, and Jesus had cast all seven of those demons out, and she had been saved, and she had become a follower of Jesus. She's called Mary Magdalene because she lived in a place called Magdala. It's up right by the Sea of Galilee in the most beautiful part of Israel, and that's where she had met Jesus. And as Jesus had traveled from Galilee down to Jerusalem for him to be crucified, Mary was one of the ladies who had traveled with him. And on this Sunday morning of the resurrection, Mary Magdalene had gone to the tomb of Jesus early in the morning because she wanted to be in that special place. And when she got there, she noticed something very, very interesting. And so in John chapter 20, look beginning with me in verse number one. It says, now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. And we read about that story, how Peter and John went to the tomb on Easter morning, and they found that the tomb was empty. And then after that, in verse 10, it says, Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. Now, in verse 11, we read about Mary Magdalene again. She's back at the tomb, and it says, But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down, and she looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now when she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to her, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And so here is Mary at the tomb because of her deep and her abiding love for Jesus. And in her mind, she is thinking that somebody has stolen his body. And so her, her heart is broken. She is sad. And she's got tears in her eyes. And then when Jesus appears, she thought Jesus was the gardener. Now it's interesting. 
If you study this passage of Scripture and, and you start studying, why would Mary not have clearly recognized Jesus? I mean, she had followed him for three years. She knew what Jesus looked like. And even though his resurrected body was different, he, he was recognizable to others. And so she should have been able to identify, this is Jesus. He's not a stranger. He's not a gardener. This is Jesus. Some theologians speculate that the reason she was not able to recognize Jesus is because she had been crying so much. She had been weeping so hard that her tears had blurred her vision. You know, tears are an interesting thing. I read, a stu- I read a study or heard a study years ago how some scientists began studying the composition of human tears. And they divided human tears into two categories. One they called happy tears. You know, sometimes you can be uh, watching a television show or a movie or maybe talking to some friends and something funny happens or somebody says something that's really funny and, and you just laugh and, and you just about can't stop laughing and, and you can even begin to cry. These are happy tears. And then scientists studied what they called sad tears, tears that we shed during times of unusual sadness or grief. And, and they noticed that these two sets of tears were very different. They noticed that the happy tears were pure. There were no toxins, there, there were no, nothing uh, impure at all about those happy tears. But they noticed when they began to study tears of sadness and tears of grief that in those tears were toxins. And they began to speculate, because it was Christian scientists who had done this study, and they began to speculate that God, when He created grieving tears, weeping tears, sad tears, he designed that through the shedding of tears during times of grief, that would be a way that we could release toxins, that we could release poisons from our body, and that through the shedding of those sad tears, we could find healing. And so, even sad tears serve a purpose. But also, and we know this to be true, tears can blur our vision. Sometimes you might be driving down the road and a song comes on the radio and and that song takes your mind back to another place or to another season in your life. And, and it kind of touches your heart and you begin to cry. And, and those tears come down. Your, they fill up in your eyes. And, and all of a sudden, the road is not as clear as, as it should be. And you kind of have to blink a few times to, to clear your eyes out. Tears can blur our vision. And I think that may have been what had happened to Mary Magdalene. I think that she was so heartbroken, not only by the death of Jesus, but by the fact that when she went to the tomb, that his body body was gone. And now she's thinking, I can't even go where the body of Jesus was. Not only has he died, but now I can't even get near his physical body. I think the grief and the emotion and all of that so overtook her and the tears so filled her eyes that it had blurred her vision and she was unable to even recognize Jesus Christ. Now, here's what I know today. Some of you here may be going through a time of, of sadness and difficulty, and, and, and you're shedding tears, and those tears have blurred your vision, and those tears have caused you to wonder, where is God in the midst of all my tears? I want to say three things today to those of you who have blurry spiritual vision today because of the circumstances in your life that have caused you to lose sight of Jesus. First of all, in the midst of your sadness, remember this, Jesus is closer than you think. Jesus is closer than you think. Here is Mary, and she's at the garden tomb, and she's weeping, and 
Tears are falling off her face and no doubt hitting the ground. And she's thinking, where is Jesus? What have they done with him? Where have they taken his body? I'll never see him again. And yet Jesus was right at that same place where Mary was weeping. He was right there. He was right outside that tomb. He had come there to comfort her. And Jesus said to himself, I know he said this to himself, if I don't stay a little longer, if I don't go to where Mary is, if I don't go back to that tomb, to that place where Mary's heart is broken, she will spend the rest of her life with a broken heart. And so have you noticed in your life when we need extra Jesus always does extra. And he gave us 40 extra days so that he could help them. And through helping them, he's saying to us, just like he said to Thomas, I understand your doubt, but I want to turn your doubt into faith. He's saying to those who have sinned, and we've all sinned, I can forgive your sins and I can restore you and I can put you back on the right path. And he's saying to those of us here today whose hearts are broken through the circumstances of life, Jesus is saying to us, I know how you feel. I understand the tears that you're shedding. And if you will remember what is taught in this passage of Scripture, I can help you and my grace will be sufficient. The first thing we need to remember is that Jesus is closer than you think. Friend, I don't know what you're going through today or what your family might be facing at this time, but I know this, Jesus is right there in the middle of it with you. You can't see him. You can't feel him. You don't understand, but I'm telling you this, he is there. And he was with Mary in her place of sadness, and he is with us in our place of sadness. He's closer than we think. The second thing that I'm mindful of today, not only is Jesus closer than you think, Jesus knows what you're going through. Sometimes we have the idea that nobody understands how we feel. Well, it may be that no other human can understand exactly how you feel. But I can tell you this, Jesus understands how you feel. Now, beginning in verse 16, things begin to change for Mary in this this story. Because Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned and said to him, Rabbani, that is to say, teacher. And uh, then they begin to have this conversation. But the one thing that Jesus did that caused Mary to understand that it was indeed Jesus is that he called her name. He simply said, Mary. And when he called her name, her eyes were open. And she said, it's Jesus. The gardener wouldn't know my name. A stranger wouldn't know my name. Jesus knows my name. And I want to say to you today in the same way, Jesus knows your name. It's interesting in my Bible years ago, right above where it says, Mary, I put my name, John. And I have to remind myself during times in my life when my heart is broken and and I'm kind of crying, super emotional. I have to remind myself, Jesus understands how I feel. And Jesus knows my name. And he calls out our name. You know, sometimes Jesus calls our name without calling our name. Sometimes he calls our name through another person, through a friend. I was home yesterday and a pastor friend of mine, he's 78 years old now, just outside of Atlanta, he called me yesterday, and he said, John, I just want to talk to, her, to you for a few minutes and see how you're doing and encourage you and let you know I'm praying for you and praying for your family, and you're just on my mind today. And, and we talked, and, and you know, it wasn't Jesus that called me yesterday. It was a pastor friend who called me yesterday, but there's another sense in which it was Jesus calling me yesterday through my pastor friend. We were in a setting last week, and 
A lady walked by, and she looked over, and my dad and I were talking, and, and uh, she walked down the hall, and she just kept going and didn't come back. And I kind of thought, I think I recognized her, and, and, and I thought I knew who it was. She kept going, and about an hour or so later, she came back down the hall, and she, she came into the room where me and my dad were, and she said, I thought that was you. She said, she, she said looking to him, she said, I knew I recognized that voice. She said, that's the one that had preached all those long sermons down there at First Baptist Pasadena. I said, yeah, that's his voice, his voice. She said, I thought that was y'all. She said, I was hurrying to a meeting. And she said, I walked down the hall. And she said, I know that voice. I know that voice. I know that voice. And she said, I came back down. And she said, it's the two of you standing here talking. She said, man, I can't believe bumping into you today. And you know, for us last week, that was Jesus. That was Jesus calling our name through her and Jesus saying to us, I know where you are. I know what you're going through. I know how you feel, and I'm right there with you. And so I want to say to you today, I don't know how Jesus might call your name through a friend, through a phone call, through a song, but I know this, Jesus knows exactly where you are. Jesus knows exactly how you feel, and Jesus is right there with you. Amen? And then the third thing, that I, as I've thought about this passage, not only does Jesus know what we're going through, Number three is a little different, but I think it's so very important. Jesus understands our desire for his physical presence. You know, I've often thought, and I know Jesus said that it's better that we have the Holy Spirit living in us than it would be to have him in the flesh walking next to us. I believe that. I believe everything Jesus said. I love the Holy Spirit. And I know that the Holy Spirit is Jesus in another form, and he's living in me. But I have to tell you, there are times in my life when I would almost give anything to just see the presence of Jesus. I know he's with me, and I know he's in me, and he's with you, and he's in you, and I believe what he said. It's better to have him like this than to have him in the flesh, because if we had him in the flesh, we couldn't all be with him at the same time. And I understand all that, but sometimes I think to myself, if I just had Jesus in this house with me in the flesh... If I could just with my eyes see him, if I could just go over and hug him, if I could just have Jesus in his physical body with me. And I think Jesus understands that we're human and so we relate to humanity and we're so appreciative of the Holy Spirit. We love the Holy Spirit, but sometimes we wish we had Jesus in the flesh as well as having the Holy Spirit. And Mary felt this way. Look in verse 17. Because... Uh, in verse, as Jesus is calling her name and so on, Mary runs to him and Mary grabs him like we would. And in verse 17, Jesus said to her, do not cling to me for I have not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I'm ascending to my father and to your father and to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that she and that he had spoken these things to her. Put yourself in her shoes. When, he, when Jesus called her name and she recognized that it was him, she ran to him and she undoubtedly fell down on the ground and she put her arms around his legs and it was like, it's like Mary was saying to Jesus, Jesus, now that I know it is you, don't leave me again. Let's just freeze time. Have you ever had that feeling where you just wish you could stop time and freeze time and just say, it's, it's always like this? Well, sometimes I think with Jesus, we wish it could be that way. We wish that we could have Jesus with us in the flesh and that we could just say, Jesus, always be with me and never leave me. I need your physical presence. And yet Jesus said to her, 
Jesus said, Mary, don't cling to me now. She, what he was saying is, Mary, I know you love me. I know you want to be in my presence. I'm touched by that. I'm honored by that. But Mary, I've got to go back to heaven. We can't. What was Jesus saying to Mary? Jesus was saying to Mary, Mary, we don't need and we can't permanently be together on earth. But one day we can forever be together in heaven. That's what Jesus was saying. And that was his promise to her. And so he said, don't cling to me. And yet, I kind of am like Mary. I think if I had been Mary, I think the only difference in me and Mary, if I'd been hugging Jesus and Jesus said, don't cling to me, I've got to go, I think I would have said, no, I'm going to keep clinging to you. <laughs> and then Jesus would have said, I'm Jesus. You can't tell me no. You have to do what I say. I said, but Jesus, I mean, we've got it good. It's me and you. We're here together. He said, I know. It's good. We're here together. But it'll be better when we get up there together. And until we get up there together, you've got work down here to do. And he said, Mary, you go back and you tell my disciples about this conversation that we're having. And you tell my disciples that I'm alive. And you tell my disciples my body has not been stolen. I came out of that grave in my own power. And you tell those disciples I want to meet with them in the upper room because we have things yet to talk about. And so what was Jesus saying? Jesus was saying to Mary, in essence, Mary, I understand your desire to be in my physical presence. And I'm touched by that. But Jesus was also really saying to her, Mary, there's coming a day when you're going to have something greater than my physical presence. Now you have me with you, but when the Holy Spirit comes, you will have me in you. And having me in you is even better than having me right next to you like this. What was Jesus saying? Jesus was saying, as you go through life, there are times and seasons when we just can't see God. Not only can, I mean, we can never see God, not yet. We'll see him in heaven one day. But Jesus was saying, there'll be times in life when you can't even see what God is doing. When you don't even understand what God has allowed. And Jesus was saying, what you have to do is trust me during those times. I've told this story before on a Wednesday night. I don't think I've ever told it on a Sunday morning, but I know I've told it on a Wednesday night when we we're having our service in the chapel. You know, our chapel is one of the, I think it's the most beautiful room in our church. And there are 45 stained glass windows in that chapel. It's a chronological overview of the life of Christ. And here in a few weeks, at some point, I want to do an entire Wednesday night Bible study on all of, all of those windows, all 48 windows. I figure if I'll spend about five minutes on each window, we can do that sermon in about four and a half hours. No, I'll do just a few seconds on each one, but I think it would be interesting just to walk around. It starts with the Annunciation. When Gabriel told Mary she would be the mother of the Messiah and then his birth all the way around to his death and his resurrection. And it's a beautiful... And then there are just 48 windows in total. Over the door when you go out the chapel, there's what we call the 23rd Psalm window. And it's interesting, the man who designed all those windows is a very talented, uh, I don't know what you even... Stained glass window maker. And... Uh, that's pretty, that's pretty good title for what he does. And I think he lives, Joe, in San Antonio. I think that's where, where we're able to come upon him. And he had done some work for Dallas Theological Seminary and done a lot of work for more liturgical churches uh, that would be, you know, that would be tended to have more formal things like stained glass windows and things like that. And so when, anyway, when he would design those windows, he would send us an email 
and he would say, this is my rendering of this particular window, but before I actually make it into a window, I want you guys to approve it because there may be something you want to change. And, uh, and as it turned out, there were on a few of those windows things we wanted to change and just make a little bit better. I can remember, I think he is Presbyterian, I think that may, or Lutheran, he's he, he, one of them. But anyway, on the window that he had made about John the Baptist baptizing Jesus in the Jordan River, he had John the Baptist sprinkling Jesus. And when we saw that, we said, we're going to get run out of town if we have him being, Jesus being sprinkled. We're a Baptist church. We put him under the water. And so we said, you need to make it where he's going under the water. And so we were making those type changes. We approved all, I guess, 47 of the 48 windows. Somehow that 23rd Psalm window never had been approved. It had just been installed. At least I never had seen it. Maybe somebody else, maybe my dad had signed off on it, but I had never seen it. One day after that had all been done, I just walked over in the chapel. Late one afternoon, early one evening, I was by myself. And I just looking at that. I just felt the presence of God in there, looking at those windows. The light, and I thought, how great is this? We've got a, a chapel that's just dedicated to the life of Jesus. I mean, it's just a beautiful thing. And I was standing at the front of the chapel kind of looking at the windows. And I looked back and I was looking at that 23rd Psalm window. The reason we wanted the 23rd Psalm window on the back is because when people walk out of the chapel... We want them to remember the last verse of the 23rd Psalm. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. And we'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. And so that's what we wanted. Well, anyway, I was looking at that window and I noticed the sheep. You know, you expect sheep in the 23rd Psalm window. The Lord is my shepherd. I noticed the shepherd's staff. I noticed a beautiful, you know, the uh, the setting of a pasture. And I thought, man, that's a beautiful window. And as I was looking at it, this thought ran through my mind. There's no shepherd in the 23rd Psalm window. And Joe, I said to myself, we've made a horrible mistake. You can't have a window of the 23rd Psalm without having the shepherd. The Lord is our shepherd, and the shepherd is not in that window. And I was looking at that, and I thought, what are we going to do now? Well, the window is long and not too tall. And as I began to study it and look at it, I thought, well, the reason there's no shepherd... There's just, it, the window's not tall enough to have a human body. And so that's why they did that. And I thought, well, okay, I can live with it on those grounds. It just wouldn't look right because wouldn't, he wouldn't be able to be tall enough. And I thought, well, that's why we have the sheep, we have the pasture, we have the staff, and we don't have a shepherd. That's the architectural reason for that. And I was looking at the window. And in one of those, I wish I could say it happened more often to me. It doesn't happen often enough. It's a kind of a rare moment for me. God spoke to my heart while I was looking at that window. And God, not audibly, but I felt it in my heart. And I had the thought in my mind. It was like God said to me, John, that window is perfect as it is. Because it is a reminder to you and everybody else who will ever look at it. That just because you can't see the shepherd, that doesn't mean that he's not there. We walk by faith and not by sight. And that's what Jesus was saying to Mary. He was saying, Mary, I understand your need for my physical presence. And one of these days, you'll have that forever. But in the meantime... You're going to have to learn to walk by faith. To trust me through those seasons of life when you can't see me. 
to trust me out there during those valleys when you can't understand what's going on. And if you'll learn to walk by faith, you'll live a victorious Christian life. Isn't it comforting to know that even when we can't see God, that He is with us. He comforts us. He walks along with us. If you ever have any questions about that, we have a booklet that's just right for you. It is called Never Alone, and you can find it on our website, www.peacebybelieving.org. Click on the Booklets tab, and you will find that book, Never Alone. We hope that today's message on tears has been an encouragement to you. You can find this message, along with many others, on our same website, peacebybelieving.org. While you're on the website, click on the Contact Us tab and send us an email. Thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to you joining us on the next Peace by Believing with John Redmond.